Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, it's Easter Sunday and he is risen. Got a story for you. A Sunday school teacher asked her class what they thought and what they knew about Easter. And the first little girl came up and spoke and said, Easter is when the whole family gathers together around the turkey and we sing songs about the pilgrims. (laughs) Oh, the teacher said, no, sweetheart, no, that's the wrong holiday. Well, then another student got up and said, Easter is when you get a big old green tree and you put decorations on it and you put presents all around the bottom. We sing lots of songs as well. (laughs) The teacher just shook her head and said, no, no, that's the wrong holiday too. And then finally, the third student, he goes, Easter is when Jesus was killed and he was put in a tomb and left for three days. The teacher was going, oh, praise God, I finally have one who knows. But then the student continued to speak. Then everybody gathers at the tomb and waits to see if Jesus will come back out and see if he sees his shadow or not. And if he does, then he has to go back in and we have six more weeks of winter. (laughs) You know, it's easy to confuse things and that's why it's always important to go to the source regarding a matter it's important for us to go to the source of the bible when it comes to easter what really happened and more importantly what is easter to you See, Easter Sunday is the most supreme day of remembrance for the Christian faith all over the world. It's the day in history when we celebrate the empty tomb that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. We have the benefit of knowing that Resurrection Sunday is how the story not only ended, but actually started nearly 2,000 years ago. But for the first believers, those first disciples, much of what they experienced at that time, well, it was earth-shaking. It was painful. It was confusing. It was fearful and life-changing. You see, there were many who believed that the Jewish Messiah would come as a conqueror and reestablish the Jewish nation, by overthrowing all of its enemies, specifically Rome. Now, historically speaking, many thought the Messiah would be a king like David, or maybe a a great deliverer like Moses, or a great warrior like Joshua, or even Judas Maccabeus. You see, 150 years prior, he had, over, he had organized a revolt against the Syrian oppressors. So you can imagine the Jewish people 
how they must have been completely disillusioned by the fact that Jesus didn't even make a fight when he was illegally arrested and then crucified. And if that wasn't bad enough, Jesus actually died alone. I mean, God the Father, it tells us in Scripture, literally turned his back because he couldn't even see what was going on to Jesus. So he dies on a cross. He's humiliated by the Romans on that cross and viewed as a criminal. It would be impossible to imagine how devastated and disappointed those early disciples were. I can't even think of an illustration to say, you know, it's much like this or it's much like that. There's no comparison. The truth is, it was devastating. Actually, it was worse than devastating. It was complete hopelessness. Thankfully, hopelessness isn't where the story ends. So let's pick up there in Luke chapter 24. We'll start at verse 1. Go through verse 6. But every... But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. Speak, taking the spices they had prepared, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified. And bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Did, did you hear that? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Can you imagine what the women must have been thinking at this moment? I mean, the idea of bewilderment? It's, it's probably an understatement. Thankfully, the angels didn't just stop there, but they reminded the women what Jesus had said. So let's go to Luke 24, verse 6 and 7. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed by the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Wow. And from here, the women were so excited and so moved that they ran to go tell the disciples. See, this truth is so important that the Apostle Paul, he speaks about the resurrection of Jesus here in the book of Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 13, 14. For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has, been, has not been raised either. 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Church, if the tomb isn't empty and Jesus is dead and not risen, then everything we're doing right here, right now, is pointless. But if the tomb is empty, <laughs> and Jesus is alive, 
then we all got something to get excited about and something to run and move and tell somebody else that Jesus is alive. See, later on in, in Luke 24, we pick up on the resurrection story with two other disciples of Jesus. And they're walking from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus. So let's pick up there. Luke 24, start at verse 13 to 17. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him, meaning Jesus. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. <laughs> you see, the story goes on. Um, Jesus continues to ask them questions, and eventually these disciples, they're they turn around and convince Jesus to, to stay with them because it's getting dark, to stay with them in, at their place there in the village of Emmaus. Let's go to verse 29 through 31, same chapter, chapter 24. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. See, this wasn't uncommon. There was no Motel 6s, right? So being able to sleep in somebody else's home it was how you handled it. Otherwise, you were sleeping under the stars. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it. Doesn't that sound familiar? And gave it to them. Verse 31. Suddenly. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. <laughs> he just up and vanished. I mean, let, let's just say, it, say it's been a pretty interesting day for these disciples. But listen to what Luke records them saying to one another after Jesus just vanishes. Verse 32, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Now, it's the middle of the night. It's seven-mile walk. It's dark. There could be robbers out there. They don't care. They gather up everything. They load up everything. And they're going back to Jerusalem to do what? To share the good news. He's alive. Nobody can stop me from sharing what just happened. I just encountered Jesus, and I got to tell somebody. Wow. You see, an encounter like this will set the human heart ablaze. Oh, the absolute joy and the excitement these disciples must have felt to know that their Savior was truly alive. But here's the thing. It got them moving. In fact, they got up immediately and headed back to Jerusalem in the dark to share the experience with the rest of the disciples. Just like the women who encountered 
the empty tomb. They were emblazoned in their heart and they took off running to go tell the other disciples. And what news is so good that it causes grown adults to immediately to begin to move and to run? And the answer is, Jesus Christ is alive. As the disciples, well, as they returned from Emmaus, they learned that Jesus also had appeared to Simon Peter. Then as they all together were talking, Jesus appears in their midst and asks for something to eat. And He says to all of them, Here in Luke 24, now starting at verse 44 and 45. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Okay. So how amazing would it be to do a Bible study with Jesus Himself. Even better, if He opened your mind to understand the Holy Scriptures, my goodness! Look at what Luke records happening here. Jesus says, When I was with you before I told you that everything written about me in the, in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. A couple dozen years later, the Apostle Paul well, he reflects on this by, by giving us one of the most amazing summaries regarding the resurrection. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. All the promises, every one of them, find their yes in Jesus Christ. And through Him, we proclaim, Amen, so be it, to the glory of God. Some of these promises are redemption from sin. Reconciliation with God the Father. Peace and rest and healing and wholeness. An eternal home called heaven where there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more sickness or disease. There will be constant, we'll be in the constant presence of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There will be friendship and fellowship and family. And there will be life from death. It's a paradox. But from Jesus' death comes life. And not just breathing, not just skimping by, but abundant, thriving, fullness of life. Through your darkest night, through your pain, brokenness, and sin, through your striving and planning and controlling, Christ sees it all. He redeems it all. And will use it all as part of your story of victory in Jesus. 
Let me illustrate this point through the story of Job in the Old Testament. If you're not familiar with the with Job, the, the basic premise of that story is that Job is a very righteous man, a very godly man. And his family is thriving and his multiple businesses are thriving. He's a very, very wealthy man. But through a series of events, he loses all of his children, his sons, his daughters, ten of them. He loses all of his wealth and his ability to make more wealth. And he begins to lose his health. He loses everything. His own wife, who's that's all he has, is telling him to curse God. His best friends are coming to him and saying, what hidden sin do you have? Because this, this kind of, of treatment, you're, you're cursed. You have something in your life. But Job struggles. And he desires to have what you would call a judicial, a legal hearing with God. Where he can plead his case. Well, he eventually gets what he asks for from God. And God speaks directly to Job. And it's terrifying. <laughs> it's awe-inspiring and gracious. You find it there in the book of Job, chapters 38 through 42. Maybe you can read that later. About halfway through his discourse, Job says this. Job chapter 40, verse 4 through 5. I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hands. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. Wow. And then finally, Job says something absolutely breathtaking here in Job chapter 42, 2 through 6. I know that you, he's speaking to God, I know that you, meaning God, can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, Job, and I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. And I had only heard about you before, but now. I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and in ashes to show my repentance. You see, Job thought he had heard and learned all that he needed to know about God. I wonder how many people have the same kind of heart and attitude who think they know everything there is about God, all there is to know about His wonders and His majesty, His sovereignty. And yet Job, through his pain, his grief, his loss, his suffering, had made some very critical assumptions and even some grave accusations against the Creator of the universe. But what he thought he knew about God 
completely changed when he came face to face with God and his eyes were open to the majesty and the providence of the Lord in every facet of his life. And Job said, I take back everything. I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. What Job is communicating, what he's communicating here is this. He is saying, I'm wrong. And now I see it. I, I take comfort here in the dust and in the ashes, in the rubble of my life. You see, Job was only able to say that because he had an encounter with the living God. And that personal encounter it changed Job's life, his perspective, and even the trajectory of his life. The story ends when God restores all back to Job. All of his health, all of his wealth. He has ten more children. God, God gave an abundant life back to Job and raised him up out of the ashes of destruction. And He'll do the same for you. As, as we close out Easter and draw an end to this series, I want to ask you to reflect on the past several weeks of this sermon series. Where we've grown in our faith and our knowledge of Jesus together. But the truth is, is we barely crack the door and gaze upon Jesus as our Savior. His temptation there in the wilderness or His humility or, or contemplation, His sacrifice and His resurrection. You could spend a lifetime getting to know Jesus and never, ever get weary of it. As I've said before in this series, sometimes in life we can be broken and shattered and feel like our life is nothing more than a pile of ashes. But the good news is, is that from Jesus' life, His death, and His resurrection, we can have a new life, abundant life. But your life, your life, no matter how bad it is, how bad it has been, no matter how bad your regrets are, it is not beyond repair. And, in, and through Christ, you can rise above the ashes and experience an abundant life. Jesus is the source. Jesus is the promise, the way, the truth, and the life. It's Easter, and it's time for you to rise up and dust off all the ashes and take a step of faith towards your Savior, Jesus the Christ. He's ready for you. Are you ready? Are you ready to commit your life to Him today to make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior? Why don't you pray this with me? 
Say, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. Jesus, you are the way. Jesus, you are the truth. Jesus, the life, and you are the life, and no one can come to the Father except through you. Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Savior of my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Be the leader of my life. Jesus, make me a Christian. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus, I'm grateful. I'm thankful for all you've done for me. I love you. Because of you, I rise up. I dust off the ashes. And I take a step of faith towards you. You are my Savior and my King. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, will you contact us? Will you tell a family or friend? Will you tell them what you committed to Jesus? And let us know so we can celebrate with you what a great Easter it is. Happy Easter. God bless. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.